0: Today, is I'm speaking from the, uh, just the end of Acts chapter 2, it's already been said, we're going to discuss this and practice uh, in our live groups during February. Um, Acts chapter 2 is one of the, the favorite chapters or portions of Scripture for those of a charismatic or Pentecostal persuasion. If you know it, Jesus has basically he's come to earth, he's lived, he's died, he's risen again, he's ascended to his Father. And he's told his disciples, you guys, great plans for you, but wait at Jerusalem to send the Holy Spirit. You guys are great, but you can't do it on your own. I know you, you need the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And he is going to come So wait at Jerusalem until that happens, guys. So they do that in obedience. God bless his obedience. And then we come to Acts chapter 2. They were sitting waiting for this. And I'm going to focus on the end of the chapter, but just to get a bit of context, the chapter begins, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly they came from heaven, a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Then they spilled out onto the streets. Peter spoke for a certain amount of time. And then we read in verse 41. So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling the property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to the number day by day, those who were being saved. Basically, the beginning of the chapter talks about the experience of the power of the Holy Spirit coming. So, the beginning of the chapter starts with the power of the church. Peter preaches, and 3,000 people respond and receive Jesus. That was the purpose of the church, the purpose of the power of the Spirit coming. is not for us to feel good, or it does, but it's so that we can be empowered to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. So, you started with the power of the church, going on to the purpose of the church, And now, at the end of the chapter, is the practice of the church, or the practices of the church, hence the title, That's What I Call Church. Okay, this is the practices of the early church that we'll focus on in the live groups over the next four weeks, four particular things that they did. First of all, they were devoted. They were devoted. They were continually devoting themselves, we read in verse 42, to apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking a bread or communion, some might call it, and to prayer. They devoted themselves. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, something incredible happens. It's, it is dynamic, it is powerful, it is life changing, it is, it is divine, it is spiritual, it's beyond human comprehension. Jesus died for our sins. Caused us to have forgiveness for every sin we've ever committed, gave us right standing before God, made us children of the loving God, mean we can come into His presence forever and not be condemned and not be cast down and burnt alive because of Jesus' sacrifice in Calvary. We have our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We have eternity settled in heaven with Him because of Jesus. That's incredible. It's amazing grace. We didn't do it. He did all that for us. But more than that, God by his spirit came to live inside us. That's incredible to think. God by his spirit. Romans 8 and 10 says, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, Through his spirit who dwells in you. The spirit of God comes to live inside us. God by his spirit. I.e. you're not who you were. You're not just human anymore. You're partly divine. God by his spirit comes to live inside you. You can never be the same again. You're not what you used to be. And God did that. All we did was accept Jesus and God. Our sins were forgiven, settled in heaven, eternally secure. God comes to live inside us. And all we did is say, I received God. I received Jesus as my Savior. It's incredible. We couldn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. But Jesus paid it and did it all for us. Incredible. The problem is sometimes we have the mindset then that Jesus does it all. God does everything for us. God, we just say yes and God does everything for us. No, there's an old, old song that says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Great song. But let me just say, Jesus did it all, but Jesus doesn't do it all. Jesus paid it all. He did it all. We couldn't earn our salvation, He did everything for us. However, sometimes your mind say, well, he did that for us. Jesus does us everything. We don't have anything to do. No, that's not the way it works. We then have a responsibility and a privilege to start doing stuff. He did it all, but doesn't do it all, but empowers us to do some stuff. God empowers us to do it. And it starts with an attitude of devotion. I'm going to devote myself. Devotion is not a feeling. You can sing hopelessly devoted to you as many times as you like, but it's not going to happen unless you make a decision or an act of your will to express devotion. Devotion is not a feeling, it's a decision, it's a mindset, it's an act of your will. Devotion says, means to give all or most of our time or resources to a person or activity or to commit by a solemn act. Or to give over our direct time, money, effort, etc. to a cause, enterprise, or activity. Or for, to give all of ourselves to something you believe in or to a person. For this cause, I'm giving up my life, we sing sometimes. That's an act of devotion, if we really mean what we are singing. It means the early church devoted themselves it means they didn't say in a church context, God, you need to get me devoted. And then say, Pastor, leader, worship leader, live group leader, you need to get me devoted. No, they need made a decision, we're gonna devote ourselves. We are gonna devote ourselves to the cause of Christ and His kingdom. They devoted themselves. You know, there's many areas and examples in scripture. Maybe look at some through the live groups about people devoting themselves. What does it mean practically in the context of they devoted themselves? If you read 1 Kings 8 and 61, the word came to God's people. Let your heart be wholly devoted to the Lord or God to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments. I.e., devote yourself to the word of God. Devote yourself to the word of God. That means at least reading it every day. Read it, but don't just read it. Apply it. It's not a story, but it's an application tool, manual for life. Devotion means I'll commit to reading and honoring God's word. i twelve, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. I commit, devote to serving. We devote to serving. Colossians 2, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. It means you make Jesus Christ your Lord and your master and your savior and you devote your life to his cause and not another cause. That's someone else. Romans 12, be devoted to one another. And brotherly love, give preference to one another. I.e., you need to devote yourself to the person beside you. And some of you are thinking, oh. Uh, what side of me are you talking about? The one on the right? It's maybe easy, but the one on the left? Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's a decision. You don't need to feel it. You just make a decision to devote yourself. 1 Corinthians 16 15 says, The household of Stephanas devoted themselves for ministry to the saints. I.e., the early church devoted themselves. They made a commitment of devotion to the cause of Christ and to the stuff that was going on round about them. They were devoted. They're also dedicated to the task. All those who believed were together and had all things in common. They were together. You have decided to come together today. Thank you. Well done. You made that decision. Some of you might have come even though you didn't feel like it. Well done. Well done. Thank you for coming. But we need to be a people who make a commitment to be together every time we can. Okay? Many things can come into our world to stop us from meeting together. You know, um, I've been there. Maybe those of you who are new to church and new to faith, I can assure you there's times that something ha- happens on a Sunday morning to try and stop you getting to church. You're not alone. We've all been there. There's many issues that come with the people that come to visit you. I want to phone you, I do something, I meet with you on a Sunday morning. I'll put something in your path when church is on. No? Be open, you're dedicated, you just know, I can't do that. Send my diary, I go to church on a Sunday morning. See, coming to church should not be a convenience decision, it's a priority decision in our life. It's not a convenience, it's a priority. And sometimes you have to say no to something to say yes to other things. The early church came together. They continued with one mind in the temple, house to house, and online where appropriate. That's a more version. I've just added. That button, but they met, they connected together. But you know, being together is not merely physical; it involves physically being together. You might think, "Oh, I don't want to go," but at moment I'm stressing this a bit. But just the fact that you're here encourages person beside you. It really does. It makes a difference to the person beside you. But you know, it's more than physically. It's a choice. It's a decision to be together in purpose. It goals, in vision, in heart, in support, and encouragement. It's a decision to commit and be dedicated to commitment. However, when day by day continuing with one mind, let me just clear One mind does not mean that everybody thinks the same about everything. That would be scary. If every one of you thought the way I thought at times, that would be frightening. Okay, it really would. It would be unhealthy, and a bit be frightening. God has not made us robots. He does ask us to look at the nine screens and pick six, which have got a tree in them, and tick them just to prove that you're not a robot. Have you ever been there? And, there? and there's always one you think, I'm not sure what that is, does it not? I am a robot. I must be a robot, things like that. God knew he didn't create robots. He didn't, he, robots. He didn't make us all the same. And let me suggest that you and I, need people in our world who think a bit different from us. We need people who just see things a bit different, think a bit different from us. They might see... I won't go there. They'll see things or they'll think things. We need that. You can be a one mind and still see and think differently. Because the big picture is, you know what? I don't really see that. I don't get that, but I'm still with you. I'm still with you in what you're trying to do here. We need people in our life that even though they might see things differently, they might think, well, I agree with the principle, but how it's outworked and how you're doing that, I I don't think is right. We need people like that, but we need the same people to be able to say, come on, let's magnify. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. We need people in John 13, 34. Let's love one another. Romans 12, 10. Let's be devoted to one another. Let's honor one another. Let's live in harmony with one another. Let's build one another up. Let's be like-minded towards one another. Let's accept, accept one another. I don't agree with everything being, over but you know what? I'm still with you. I'm still for you. We can go on together with our different bit, little bits of differences, and let's be people who are one another people. God is making us one another people people. He wants us to be people who are devoted to one another, who are dedicated to what's going on. He's made us one another people. We need to be together. I've got 22 letters, scriptures, but that's too much salad for one morning, so I'm going to pick up some from the Bible. Paul says in Acts, I'm not even going to give the scriptures. I'm just going to rattle some of these out. These are in the Bible. You can ask your live group leaders. They don't know them, but they can come and get them. Okay okay? Let us, Paul says to somebody, let's go and visit our brothers. Let let us do something together because there's power in being together. Let us not fight against God, but let's go with God. Let us hold God to be true. Let us grasp the fact that God's with us and for us. Let us rejoice in our hope. Let us exult in our sufferings. Oh, that's a good one. Let us result and rejoice in our hardship. Let us... Wait in a Let us cast off the words of darkness. Let us walk honestly. Let us not judge one another. Let us not be weary and well done. Let us do good to all those that we can. Let us grow together. Let us let us watch and be sober of mind and make sure we're staying right with one another and with God. Let us consider one another to provoke to love. Let us not forsake the assembling Are the coming together. Let us walk in grace. Let us love one another. No, the Bible's full of let us, let us, let us. It's a together. It's a together Bible. It's a we are in this together. We're all in this together. They dedicated together. They were always together. They recognize that God's not into splendid isolation. Because it's not splendid to be isolated. It's splendid togetherness that God is into. It's it's been de- dedicated to what's going on. It's been I'm going to be there. I'm going to be involved in that. My heart's before, behind what's going on. I maybe can't worship, but I'm behind the worship team. I maybe can't play an instrument, but I'm behind the worship team. I'm maybe not great with kids, but I'm supporting the kids' work and what they're doing. And I'm going to be there for them when they need me to support them anyway the early church had a togetherness they were dedicated to it it doesn't just happen it doesn't just happen it's a decision they were dedicated they were devoted they were dedicated and if you look at this it's a great culture in the church it's almost like ours, oh, the unity they were together one place They generously sold all their possessions and gave them away to those in need. They honored the people by doing that. They had celebration. They were gladness of heart. The only thing they didn't have was excellence, but I'm sure they did everything excellently. Wouldn't it be great to have such a church as this early church? Where they're devoted, they're dedicated. In honor preferring one another. But they were also deliberate in their actions. This is the fruit of a church which is devoted and dedicated. They're praising God. They're having favor with all the people. Be great just to have favor with some people at times, won't it? They had favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. How incredible is that? Could MD believe that in this church, in new life, God could add to our number day by day. Those have been saved. No, that's off the charts. Can I be realistic? That's off the charts. Incredible, and God can do it. It's off the charts. I trust the people who can believe for that. But maybe you say, well, I can't really stretch my faith that far. But what if it wasn't just day by day? What if God was adding to new life? week by week. How incredible would that be? Those who are being saved. But maybe think, oh, I'm not sure I can get that far. Well, what if we just go to every month, month by month, God was adding to new life those who are being saved. If you've not got the faith for day by day or week by week, even if month by month... God was adding to new life those who are being saved. How great would that be? How incredible would that be if every month, every week be great, every day would be great. But it varies if every month, even if just even if it was only every month people added, wow, how incredible would that be? How incredible, how amazing would that be? Do you have the faith for that? Acts two forty seven. Day by day, God was adding to the church those who are being saved. I'm believing this is a year when God is adding to the church those who are being saved. I don't think it's insignificant. We're starting a come up church plant. Franklin Graham's coming. I believe these are significant events. God is doing something in our nation. And this is a year where people are going to come to faith and never increase in measure. It is already happening and we hear stories of people coming t- To faith, but we are a people who are going to be praying specifically for that. You know, prayer. And David, Pastor David will probably mention this a bit more in detail. We had a month of prayer and fasting. Thank you for those who took part and were praying, and with five prayer Wednesdays. Appreciate those who sought God, and a fair testimony of those who through the fasting, she's drawn closer to God, and God's done something in their lives. It's wonderful. Just because January is finished, you can continue to pray and you can continue to fast if you wish. Or you can eat stuff that you've not eaten for a while or go on social media, whatever you've been fasted. It's up to you. We're not committed. The first month we give to God in that way. But in this month of February, we don't want to stop prayer. And Joan leads a, a group on a Monday morning at 10 o'clock. We pray for requests and things going on in the church and you're welcome to join them. If you don't know Joan... Um, Somebody at the, the connection point will tell you who Joan is. If you don't know Joan, you need to know Joan. Joan's a great woman, and, uh, and she's here. She's embarrassed now. She's over there. She's a little phone and on. She doesn't hear me. And prayer changes things. Prayer changes people who change things. And that will continue, but I appreciate not everybody can make 10 o'clock on a Monday morning prayer. But we don't want to stop praying. We don't want to have no other kind of prayer. We want to open things up but we appreciate it. the life groups are going on, and we don't want to make increased business in our life, but what we are doing on Fridays, 7 a.m., we're going to have a Zoom prayer meeting for half an hour, 30 minutes, Zoom prayer meeting, the Zoom details will be given out, and don't ask me what they are, but they're there, they have been sent out, and they will be available, but we're just saying, we want half an hour, just 7 o'clock, Friday mornings, there's nothing else, it goes on in church life, in the uh, Fridays, so we're doing Friday, so we can come back and pray into the weekend, 7 a.m. to 7:30, zoom half an hour where we are praying, because we want to be a people of prayer. We don't want to stop praying in January; we want to continue to pray right throughout the year in different ways. But more than that, as well, we're asking from tomorrow that every day, for one minute, you pray at 2:47. What we're praying for? Acts 2.47 that God add day by day those who are being saved. We don't want to be praying for the whole world to change and stuff like this and governments to come and go and be result. For one minute every day, 2.47. AM or PM is your choice. Okay, set your alarms and your watches or your machines wherever you are. You can even play crack. Quietly what well. We want to pray, God, souls, 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 souls. We want people saved. The names we all put in, are many has put in for one person to come to faith this year. We want to pray for one minute from 2.47, because Acts 2.47 tells us that day by day, God added those who are being saved. So we want you from tomorrow at 2.47 a.m. or p.m., you choose both if you wish. There's no you have to either or, keep it either or an and to them, but we want 247. We are praying for one minute, just for one minute, God, save that person. Save souls this week. Those names that we can put in, save. Bring them to faith. Whether it's incumbent, whether it's Franklin Graham, whether it's press wherever it is, but Lord, for one minute every day. Listen, see 60 people prayed for one minute, that's an hour's worth of prayer every day for souls to get saved. We want you to commit, and if you miss. The one during the day that you have to go up early in the next morning just to cup. No, you don't need to do that, okay? But we're asked you, 247 every day. I can just imagine some places be buzzers going off on people's phones and stuff like that and things like that. We are praying. They were deliberate in what they did. And we want to be deliberate in praying. We want to be purposeful in praying. We want to pray for souls. Other things, we'll pray for other events. But 247, add, save, bring salvation. People come into faith. And I believe when we're praying at that, that people's hearts are going to be touched in faith. But I want to finish with my last thought, and the band can come up here, as they were deliberate interactions, But it involved doing something they hadn't done before. They began, and this is a challenge that came to me, and I'm putting it out there to close with. This early church, they were devoted, dedicated, and they were deliberate in what they did. They done something new. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with all that needed them. Don't panic. My challenge is not today to sell your houses and your possessions. However, if you wish. But that phrase they began, stuck to me. They began to do something they hadn't done before. You know, it takes faith to step out and do something they hadn't done before. It takes what a faith to do something fresh and something new. And since some scriptures that came to me, because I believe there's a challenge God is putting out today. The early church began to do something that they hadn't done before. And God added to them day by day. In Second Chronicles 20, and I believe some of these are for some people in the house this morning. There are some people... They just need to take a step, a what-if step of faith. God's people were under pressure and armies were against them. In 2 Chronicles 20, 22, we read this. They began to sing in praise and the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount who were invading Judah and they were defeated. Maybe you're in a battle and you think everything's against you. God's word for you this morning is, you need to begin to praise. You need to begin. Maybe you've been struggling to praise because of the, what's going on around about you. This morning it says, as you begin to praise, as you begin to worship and praise me in your battle, you'll see the enemy defeated. You'll see the enemy defeated. In 2 Chronicles 31 and 7 people come back to God and then they start bringing offerings and they began to make heaps of all the offerings. I know we've spoken this this year, but maybe you've still been struggling with it. For some people, you need to begin to give financially or resources to God in a way that you haven't done yet. You need to begin to do something. In Acts 2 and 4, they began to speak in other tongues. Maybe you just feel God's prayer. You need to speak in tongues. You need to begin to move in the gifts of the Spirit. God's speaking to people. You need to begin to move in faith in the gifts of the Spirit. Some need to begin to pray for people and see them getting healed you need to begin to do something. It's not, oh, God, 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 do it. God's waiting in us to begin to do something. In Mark 6:55, they began to carry here and there those who were sick to where he was. I, all of us, some of us particularly, need to begin to start bringing people to Jesus, bringing people to church, inviting people to come, bring them to Jesus. Not just praying about them, but physically bringing people to Jesus. In Luke 19:37 the whole crowd and the disciples began joyfully to praise God some of us just need to begin to be joyful (laughs) make a decision I'm not going to be a moaner anymore I'm going to be joyful I'm going to be a cheery person. I'm going to be a person. I'm not going to mourn and complain and just be a downer and look at everything that's bad in this world. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord in a new way. I'm going to be joy in the God of my salvation. I'm going to change my mindset and I'm going to look for something to be joyful about in my world and in your world and I'm going to start blessing God. I'm not going to be a mourner a critical person. I'm going to start just being full of the joy of the Lord and I'm not just waiting to feel the joy of the Lord. I'm just going to speak the joy of the Lord I'm going to act as if I'm saved I'm going to act as if my sins are forgiven I'm going to act as if my name's written in the Lamb's book of life I'm going to act as if God is for me and nobody can be against me and I'm just going to start being joyful in a way that I've never done before he says with a smile on his face no it's a choice in Luke 14 Jesus tells a parable of God's of the master's invite to a dinner he says they all alike began to make excuses you know We can all begin to make excuses when God's put his finger on something that we need to begin to do. Oh, I can't do that. I've not got that money. I've not got the time. People say this. We can all begin to make excuses. But today, the early church didn't make excuses. They began to do stuff and did stuff that they hadn't done before. Today, I want to declare over you, don't make excuses. Don't begin to make excuses why you can't do what God is asking you to do because God is asking you to do it. I can assure you, God knows you and God knows that if you begin to do it, he will equip it and you and you'll be able to do what he's asking you to do. I love the story of the prodigal son. And he come home, they began to celebrate they began to celebrate I'm believing that this is a year where we begin to celebrate prodigals coming home in a way we've never done before I believe we need to begin to celebrate God they're coming home and we're going to celebrate everyone no matter where they've been no matter what they've done no matter how bad it's been no matter even if they've hurt us and pained us a bit we're going to celebrate prodigals are coming home because it's easy we need to make a choice I'm beginning to celebrate the older brother began to complain And it's easy to begin to complain. But I want to speak into new life, church. Let's not be a people who begin to complain about what goes on in church life. Let's be a people who celebrate. We begin to celebrate whatever good is happening in our church life. We make a decision. We deliberately make a decision to celebrate what is going on. So as we close, if we can stand, that would be great. No pressure. But as you begin to stand... We're gonna take a minute. What is God challenging or encouraging you to do that you haven't done before? What do you need to begin to do? And if you can't think some to celebrate, celebrate what is happening in somebody else's life. But what good is God? The elder brother couldn't, but we can celebrate what goes on in other people's life. We weep with those who weep, but we rejoice and celebrate with those celebrate. But there's two things and the second thing is heavy and I know it was something God spoke to me about. Is there a dream? Is there a goal? Is there something you believe God has given you or you've got a dream or a goal and you're waiting for God to do it all? You're waiting for the dream to become a reality or you're waiting for God to do something or you've just believed God is Showing you or given you something to do and you're, you're just waiting in God to do something more. I want to tell you God's waiting on you to begin to do something. And it not happened to me this past week or so. For the dream to become reality or that project or that idea to become a reality this morning God says you need to begin to do something about it. You need to begin to do something about it. You know, there's a clue in the name of the book of Acts of the Apostles. It's not the dreams of the apostles. It's not the visions of the apostles. It's not the goals of the apostles of the early church. It's the acts of the apostles. I.e., they did stuff. They dedicated themselves. They devoted themselves. But they deliberately took action to do what they thought was right. Maybe... Just maybe your dreams, your goals, your desires, that nudge you know that God's put in you for something, maybe, just maybe, let me suggest to you that God is waiting for you to begin to do something that you haven't done before. And when you begin to do what God is doing, wants you to do, maybe you will see the equivalent of your new your world, of God adding to you day by day by day, finance, resource, blessing, ministry opportunity and maybe as a church we all begin to do what we believe God is going to do and wants us to do. Day by day God is going to add to New Life Church those who are being saved in the name of Jesus Christ. Father God for everyone here, Lord let us make a decision this morning that we are going to be those who are devoted Lord, that we can be those who dedicate ourselves to the cause of Christ and to our Saviour. And Lord, I pray that we will be deliberate in our actions for everything you're putting your finger on in this house this morning. Give us that what-if faith. What if I actually begin to do what I believe God has called me to do? What if I begin to put legs in that dream, that goal, that vision? And Father God, I pray that as we begin to do what we can do, that you will begin to do what only you can do and add to our beginnings and we'll give you the praise, give you the honor and give you the glory. And Father God, we're going to celebrate that you're going to add and add and add and add to this church in different ways, in different areas, for the glory of your day and name's sake. Amen.